And then, um, obviously, the question is, while Philip Rivers is fantastic quarterback uh, and the most accurate ejaculator in the world... Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. This week we'll be looking at a lot of news from around the league and we're going to be moving then on to our final preview of the upcoming season because it's already pre-season time, AFC South and AFC West previews to wrap it up. So hey guys, we got Connor here, we got Harry Hello. and we got Ronan. Hello. Dialed in from Cork as uh, is normal. <laughs> so how's it shelves lads, any crack? Yeah, no, I got my bike fixed. Cycled over here for first time in the year. I'm now dead. I'm very quiet for the first part of the podcast. So I hug, hug a bottle of Lucas Aid and recover. <laughs> what about yourself? Running any crack down the south? Uh, not too much at the moment. We're just coming into the final stretch of development, so it's all hands on deck this week. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you've been saying I'll that be for about free. six months. Yeah, I know, but like I'll be in free. I'll be free in time for the NFL season, so it's all right. Excellent, excellent. Uh, <laughs> which we're not far away from that now. We're very excited. We've got the Friday booked off work. Yeah, going to be up till five o'clock in the morning like a pair of idiots. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be fab. Uh, so I suppose, lads, we do have a lot to get through this week, so we'll hire straight on into the news because uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we were here last. So there's a lot to cover off. Um, We'll kick off, I suppose, in Carolina. Uh, GM Dave Gettleman's been fired. There have been rumours swirling about people not being happy with how he managed contracts. In particular, there was a lot of talk about him letting Josh Norman go in the last off-season. Uh, and also a lot of kind of not wanting to pay big-name players, uh, not having the greatest relationship with a load of those. Uh, now, he was considered to be a very good GM, uh, kind of mirroring a little bit of the Kansas City Chiefs story from earlier on this season. Uh, it's an unfortunate end to a run, but we saw a lot of players coming out afterwards saying they were happy to see the back of him. I believe one in particular said uh, they would now take Carolina off the list of teams that they definitely wouldn't play for. Uh, so I suppose, Fitz, what's your thoughts when you think back over the tenure of David Gettleman? Yeah, like I think when he came into Carolina, basically their cap space was in a complete mess. I think the most emblematic situation that he inherited was the running back situation, where they had D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart both being paid basically Orby one money at a time when the Orby position obviously was becoming incredibly devalued. And of course, ironically, the person that they brought in as the interim GM is Matt Herney, who was the previous GM. And what we've seen very quickly is that a lot of players have started getting in the money that rumours, as you suggest, uh, say that they were looking for, including Tri Turner, a, a young guard, and of course Thomas Davis, who was a franchise stalwart. And of course, when you see the reaction of former players who have been uh, let go by Gettleman, such as Steve Smith, uh, such as D'Angelo Williams, you kind of get the feeling that he wasn't a good, he wasn't a very nice man to deal with. But the the situation was that he came in, inherited a mess from a from a GM who couldn't control the purse strings, and he's made that team turn around in a very quick amount of time. You can't argue results, and the results are that they got to a Super Bowl within a couple of years of him becoming GM and turning that entire team around from top to bottom in terms of roster turnover. So as a GM, it's very hard. As a GM in terms of player evaluation, it's hard to see him anything except as a success. Unfortunately, as we saw with the Kansas City situation, that isn't necessarily the entire job of being a GM. There's obviously dealing with the, with the press, and obviously there's also dealing with the players. And in this case, uh, it seems that Gettleman uh, got a few too many backs up and that ownership has decided that, once again, it would prefer to keep its players on side going forward and has decided to take a more softly, softly approach. Until, of course, uh, it's requ- a hard ass is required again to fix the, the problems created by his successor, no doubt. Well, yeah, well, like this is interesting because if we look at this and we say we think he did a 
very good practical job from the position of GM, but was maybe not that well liked around the league by players and even sometimes got the backs up of of uh, other staff members. Is this the kind of chap, you, uh, Harry, you'd expect to see landing a job probably in the next year or so? Uh, when people look at the success he had on the player personnel side, would they, will they forego the, the personality clashes uh, for the chance of getting someone who could turn over a roster that quickly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've, sure, it's been the last few years, there's been an awful lot of retread gems going around the place. Um, but like what Gettleman's done is, I think you'll see him brought in to do a similar job at some point. Some team will make an absolute Haynes at its cap situation and they'll say, right, this guy can do can do the business there and can get it on. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him him land somewhere else. Uh, there are still, I think, I don't think it's going to be quite as simple as like, you know, he got to a Super Bowl, you can't argue with the results. There is the fact that the Carolina Panthers, although they got to a Super Bowl, were still an incredibly inconsistent team who seemed to blow literally season by season hot and cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be another kind of piece of caution, but I think that when you find teams in the kind of situation like the Panthers are in, or were in, um, instinctively you look for somebody who has been able to deal with that, and Gettleman I think will, maybe not for a little while, but I think will have people come knocking again. Um, maybe one of the teams you know where they have a bit more division with the GM role will be like, we want you to come in and actually handle the financial side of it and we'll let somebody else sort of handle the more soft skills kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe have a division between, you know, have a, a GM but also have like a director of uh, player personnel or whatever yeah. to, to work there with them. But uh, yeah, so I think we'll see him again um, just because what he did was, like you said, just specifically what he was there to do mm-hmm. and now Jerry Richardson's an idiot so their cap situation is going to be absolutely screwed up by the end of next year no of course from one person who's lost their job to someone who uh, surprise surprise has got a job uh, down in Miami Ryan Tannehill suffered quite a bad ankle injury they were very unclear to the press about how serious it was uh, we've now found out that it requires surgery and he's essentially been put on ice for the entire season. Uh, Miami then went into their bag of tricks and found Jay Cutler, uh, who was all ready to start his broadcasting career, willing to come out of retirement. Uh, so one year, $10 million deal with incentives that can get him up to, I think, about 13 or $14 million. Reunites him with Adam Gase, who many think he had his best season in recent years underneath uh, when he was up in Chicago. So obviously the question is, can Cutler have redemption on this type of team? It is a very talented roster. It made the playoffs last year. There's a lot of questions about whether they could make a push this year again. Can this happen under Cutler? Uh, but also, is Cutler really set up and ready to go? He's he's made many a comment already about how he's not quite in shape. I believe his direct line was, it's okay, I play the quarterback position, we don't need that much cardio. <laughs> um, but also there was a lot of stories going around that it was his uh, his wife that pushed him to actually take the job because she was sick of having him hanging around the house all the time. Which isn't exactly the motivation you want for a franchise quarterback who's famous for not giving a shit. Uh, so Harry, whenever we look at Jay Cutler and this Miami team, now obviously they're sitting in a very tough division but is this a spot where he could find success well it's a better spot than the Bears isn't it I mean (laughs) let's be honest yeah it's a fresh start and I mean Gase obviously as we know as you mentioned had a good relationship with Cutler Um, Cutler seemed to fit well into the system so it seems like if Gase is using as we know is using similar concepts in Miami it's kind of quite makes sense to kind of plug him in there there's certainly more potential here than he had in the last few years in Chicago and also I don't think he's coming to that situation where the fans in Chicago, you know, the, the support for him was not there. Mm-hmm. The, the fans and the fan base had turned on him, and he was—he essentially had a target on his back the whole time there. Uh, in Miami, he gets, I think, a bit of a break, comes in, it being like, look, it's clearly a one-year thing. Uh, nobody's expecting, you know, he doesn't have necessarily the same weight of expectations of a fan base that hasn't quite got over in 1985 mm-hmm. yet. 
So I think it's, it's, it's as good a spot as he's going to come into. And I think I don't think we'd have seen him come out of retirement if it wasn't in these circumstances, regardless of what his nutcase anti-vaxxer wife seems to think. Yeah, like he wasn't he wasn't looking to compete. He was looking for a job that was there. And this is a job yeah. that was there for him to take because of the necessity of when this injury happened. Exactly. And I think it's also, you know, with Gase being there, with it being a similar concept kind of offence to what he worked well mm-hmm. with in Chicago under Gase, it, it makes sense. Do I think this is going to be... I don't think this is going to be like a... Miami are suddenly going to turn around under Cutler and go to the Super Bowl but mm-hmm. you know I think it, it could work I don't think it's necessarily like I, I don't think Tannehill's that bad I don't buy all this weird hype that's sort of creeping out of being like this is going to make Miami great mm-hmm. again it's like no I think this is a bit, pretty much as good of a replacement as they could have found it's a guy who fits the system I don't think this is going to vault Miami anywhere they weren't beforehand but I think this is a move that definitely keeps them in that kind of contender bracket yeah. that most teams will be immediately fall out of if they lost their quarterback. Yeah, the only the only concern you'd have as well, though, would be uh, with Tannehill missing a year at this point, and it is quite a formative year given how his, it's going to be his year, it's going to be his year, and he showed a little bit towards the back end of last season. This is almost certainly going to set him back coming into, it's either next year or the year after is his contract year. Uh, and he's already, like he's already 30 years old, like he's not a young quarterback, uh, or he's nearly 30 years old. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, in less savoury news, uh, Dallas have uh, had a bit of a hit to their run game. Uh, Ziggy Elliott has been suspended for six games. The Produced NFL the word hit. Oh, I haven't even, <laughs> even put that one together. Um, the NFL uh, completed their year-long investigation into the domestic abuse charges being brought against Ziggy Elliott. It covered both the abuse to his girlfriend that was alleged and also the uh, video that came out with, of him on Paddy's Day at a parade pulling down a girl's top and groping her. Uh, so they've completed their, their review. They released quite a large statement to the media in, a, in the form of a letter uh, and have decided to suspend him for six games. Elliott has already launched his appeal, which means there will be uh, a hearing held in the next 10 days, which might delay this similar to the Tom Brady situation of it might not be the first six games of this season, it might be the first six games of next season, but we'll see. This seems to be a much more streamlined process than beforehand. Uh, so, Fitz, what do you reckon about this? I know there's a lot of chatter, and let's, let's not get into the, like, did he, didn't he kind of thing of this. What do you think of this stance and this approach towards domestic violence that the league is taking? Is this purely a correction on what they were doing beforehand, or is this them taking a stance and setting what they want to be the normal going forward? Uh, you know, it's one of those weird situations where they're probably doing the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. I think certainly it's hard not to feel that the NFL is reacting to the controversy that's come out over the last half decade or so. Obviously, the Ray Rice incident looms large, and obviously uh, the relatively lax uh, enforcement that they got for Josh Brown when he was actually convicted of, 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 of domestic violence. Yeah. And I think with Ziggy Elliott, he's such a prominent player. He's now one of the flagship players of the NFL based on his, his, his performance last season that there's no way to get around not doing something about this. And I think, you know, based on the evidence that they have, they have very good reason to believe on the balance of evidence that, you know, something was going on here, that some kind of uh, problematic behaviour was going on in the background. And of course, there is evidence of other incidents which have occurred, which are also troubling, uh, such as, such of course, the Paddy Day incident that is mentioned in the evidence. So I think overall, I think the main focus, of course, is on the domestic violence incident. And of course, there's so much back and forth, and obviously with so much media interest and so many, you know, you know, intre- like, you know problematic narratives around this type of issue, uh, these days, it's hard to get at the truth. But I think they, if they believe on the evidence that they have, that you know, there's a good chance that this, like that this, it probably happened. 
then they, they, this was the correct result to make. That is the you know that's the standard that they set people up to uh, on their uh, personal conduct policy, and I think it's a legitimate thing. Uh, I don't know if Elliot, I don't know if the six game, I don't know if the six games suspension will stand in total, but I assume he'll probably be looking at the majority of that coming through at least. Uh, but the NFL could be pretty tough, so maybe at this stage it's kind of forced to keep it up. Uh, I think the problem is, is that the person adjudicating on it will probably be... Uh, It'll be the, the same person that himself. gave the initial... So, <laughs> it's kind of like a military court. It's not really the uh, most uh, objective, probably. Uh, so this could be seen as a done deal, but we'll see how it comes through. I'm sure there'll be a lot of legal power trying to get this put down to uh, a fewer games. And of course, that's a major effect on the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, of course, and like like we said, like because the because of the way the process works, they have to hold the the initial hearing of the appeal within the next ten days. So I'm sure that we'll actually have more information on this by the time we come to the to the the week one podcast, our, our start of NFL podcast. But uh, yeah, so as it stands, Ziggy Elliott suspended for six games for domestic violence. Uh, we had a massive trade this week as well, which was a bit a uh, bit of a surprise. And let's see if I can get all this right in my head. So Buffalo traded away Sammy Watkins in a sixth rounder for a second rounder and EJ Gaines. Then they also traded for Jordan Matthews and a third rounder for Ronald Darby. Uh, all this kind of came out was Friday, because uh, I believe I was meeting you for a pint. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just got a text message, because we got the Ziggy Elliott news, and then like ten minutes later, holy shit, did you see all these trades that are just happening? And then we realised they're all coming from the same spot. So Harry, I'm going to come to you on this. Is this a new regime that are kind of putting a stamp on... On, on their team uh, or is this some kind of giving up what they have at the moment for the future I know that they they believe that it was going to be salary expectations for Watkins that played at least an element in them uh, shipping him off yeah it seems like in the short term anyway a, a downgrade at both positions and it's also worth noting that since this trade which happened what like less than a week oh, ago yeah. EJ Games and Jordan Matthews have both been injured <laughs> so it's not looking too good for Buffalo um yeah, it, it, it looks like they're moving uh, for picks next year. They're looking to build for the future, which is, you know, I mean, two teams in the AFC East tanking, I'm okay with that, but I'm not sure mm. what the particular logic is here. I mean, I get that they're thinking, right, they don't want to have to pay Watkins so they can get value for him. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure what the story is of Ronald Darby, promising young corner. Hasn't played up to expectations over the last few seasons, but like EJ Gaines is very talented as well, but is a walking sick note. And Jordan Matthews, we all know, is, is a fairly limited player when compared to the likes of Watkins. So mm-hmm. it, it, it does seem a little strange that they would do this, particularly after all of this you know, drama we've had with them uh, giving away Gilmore, all the back and forth with mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor. And it does feel like this is a team that's just playing that transition role so hard right now. Like it, it's it's because you're kind of like I'm not sure where like with the Jets with the Niners you can see them tanking you can see whatever but it's like this is a team that had some promise had some talent and it's just chucking that away to mm-hmm. to put himself into a rebuild when it's not necessary perhaps to have a to- as total rebuild as they're going with and of course mm-hmm. all of this is like you see Sean McCoy's comments he is not happy with any of this mm-hmm. and understandably so because this is you know this is like he's only got realistically you know maybe two three years left on him. Um, before you know, you hit that age where running backs really start to fall to pieces. Yeah. So this is it should be the prime of his career, and it's now on a team that seems to be determined to get rid of every single piece of talent around him. Yeah. So I'm not sure what the long term plan is here. It just feels like ah, look, it's not working, so we're just going to blow it all up mm-hmm. rather than try to fix anything we already have. Maybe maybe Which, next year Tom Brady stops working. Maybe next year Tom Brady <laughs> stops working. That's a, I just, but I just don't understand. It's like, if you want to build for the future, you have pieces to build around. Why are you giving away the pieces to build mm-hmm. around 
for future pieces that you might maybe be able to build around, but you don't actually know because you haven't drafted them yet. Yeah, like it just shows a lack of long term planning. Yeah, here. but it just feels it just feels weird that there's no. It just feels weird that you have no desire to hold on to what you already have. If mm. you're going to rebuild, you have talent. You need talent to rebuild around. I just don't get why they're like, "Fuck, yeah. we don't need that." It's very confusing. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll make sense at some point to someone, but probably not to us or anytime soon. Probably made sense to the Rams. Yeah, it could have done. Uh, we'll fly on into our, our into our injury news because again, there's been quite a lot. Uh, so the Baltimore Ravens have made a run at being this year's uh, LA Chargers, but the LA Chargers are not far behind. Uh, Baltimore have lost Joe Flacco with a back injury. It's uncertain as to when he'll be back. Uh, they initially poo pooed rumors that it'll be any more than uh, three weeks. It's now been three weeks, and they're saying it's going to be at least another three weeks. So uh, we'll see. What's going to happen there? They've also lost Kenneth Dixon for the season, Dennis Pitta, uh, Trayvon Young, uh, the new guard Nico Saragusa, who apparently had like a Teddy Bridgewater style, his leg is falling off type injury. Um, they've also lost Cro- Crockett Gilmore and uh, Alex Lewis. A lot of injuries to Baltimore right there. Now, while we know Joe Flacco is not a season long, or at least what they're telling us isn't season long, that's a lot to try and make up from, right, F- Fitz? Yeah, like this is... Uh, you know, they're not at the kind of they're not a lot. There's not a lot of sexy names there, with perhaps the exception of Joe Flacco and Kenneth Dixon. Um, but what you're talking about is basically the loss of an entire depth chart of tight ends, and you're talking about the loss of what was going to be your three starting guards. And one, we'll talk about later on, but one of the, the one of their starting offensive linemen also retired this off season. So mm-hmm. in total, like the Ravens have lost nine players already for this season, and. No matter who your football team is, nine players is a lot. And most of these players perhaps weren't like guaranteed starters, but they were all players who were on the who were all within like would have wouldn't have been surprising to see in the fifty three man roster basically. Yeah. And when you're losing that type of talent, it's very difficult to do that. And we know and we discussed in the last uh, pod that the Ravens are our experienced team. They're obviously a very mature team. So this isn't the type of team where they have a lot of young players coming through. So this is a team that really has a kind of top-heavy approach. So losing this kind of middle class of decent players is even more difficult for teams because they don't have the same kind of, like, uh, they're not going through a rebuilding phase where there's lots of rookies coming through. So for me personally, this puts the Baltimore Ravens in an incredibly difficult position. Obviously, the massive one is Joe Flacco. If he's injured, they have to like, roll out Ryan Mallett or, of course, we may see Colin Kaepernick. That's obviously something we'll see if develops. But in either case, I think, obviously, in such a tough division, I would put the Ravens have been any better than like a seven-win team if Joe Flacco misses any significant time. Even with Joe Flacco, I'd be surprised to see them make the playoffs. So for me, this is probably, you know, this is a team which has suffered uh, enough that I don't think we can consider them to be a realistic playoff contender anymore. Though, you know, it's the Ravens, so the management is good enough there that maybe they could sneak in. I'm still, I'm still going to hold true to my ballsy call of them winning that division. <laughs> it was a bad decision when I made it. It's looking like a worse decision mm. now. Uh, LA Chargers uh, are trying to still be the Chargers. So Mike Williams, their first round uh, wide receiver, has injured his back. It was initially thought to be a season-ending injury. They now expect him back in mid-season, maybe two months in. Uh, but even at that, he'll have missed all of his development time with them, so that'll be quite difficult. Uh, Far and Slamp, 
their second round pick the guard has torn his ACL and he is also done for the season uh, personally I would say that this hurts more than the wide receiver because they're a lot thinner at, uh, at that offensive line position than they are at wide receiver and then uh, they've also had Denzel Perryman do his ankle so he's gone for two or three months so he'll be at least kind of week 10 by the time he's back if not uh, if not later again uh, this probably harms their chances quite a bit as well Harry does it? Um, just a little bit yeah um, yeah, like it's not like they're losing sort of the key building blocks that Baltimore are losing, but it's we saw it with them last season. I think we saw it with the season before. Attrition is terrible, and when you lose depth, when you lose um, guys who you expect to come in and make a difference, you know, both these rookies were I think expected to be day one starters and quite quite highly thought of. Uh, Perryman, obviously, a solid player as well. It, you just have to start to wonder why? when. Well, why <laughs> they're not that bad, but like. Is this going to be another year of just nagging injuries, players dropping off every single week until Philip Rivers is being protected by a series of wet paper bags and throwing two like sticks of buckets over the top of them? Did they like, pick up the Seattle line coach during the offseason? Oh so. <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. No, they don't suck, but they're just injured. Yeah, like, uh, yeah Philip Rivers will die. If it stops here, it's fine. If this is just you know a standard set of preseason injuries, it, it'll be grand. But the risk mm-hmm. is again, we saw what happened last time. We don't know what's going on with the strength like strength conditioning, conditioning yeah, yeah. Or, or or the practice fields. Maybe maybe you know maybe maybe switching to a new stadium, better turf. I, I don't know. Yeah. But um, it's it's very it's it's worrying from that perspective of just like uh oh not again. But on the face of it, this is something I think they can probably live with. Mm-hmm. If this just turns out to be, you know, the normal kind of stuff, yeah. So I, th- I think they'll be fine. Like, look, if Keenan Allen stays healthy, if Antonio Gates stays healthy, uh, if if Melvin Gordon stays healthy, Gee, if Terrell Williams, stays healthy, all those kind of guys, yeah, the team they, will be fine. Yeah, they, uh, they have they have talent. We've known that, but again, this is the concern. What happens when the depth erodes? Speaking of a team that doesn't have talent and the depth is eroded, uh, the New York Jets have lost <laughs> some more pieces. Uh, Quincy Anunua uh, has a bulging disc in his neck and is now gone for the season. WR1 Quincy Anunua. Yeah, say wide that. receiver one Quincy Anunua. And then I believe, I well, depending on who you listen to, either WR2 or WR3, uh, Lucky Whitehead, who will turn up later on in this discussion uh, under a whole other section, has also just been injured uh, today. Uh, we haven't got confirmed exactly how long, but it's a large number of weeks at least. So uh, best of luck, Chets. I am very happy that I've convinced the guys that when we like we're planning to go to New York, we're definitely going to go to the Giants game because there's not a fucking chance I want to go see a Jets game. Uh, quick rundown of a few of the other notable names that have been missing or will be missing for most of the season. Uh, will Fuller has broken his collarbone; he's done for the season. Dominic Easley has torn his ACL, so he's gone for the season. Malcolm Smith tore his pectoral; he's gone for the season. Uh, Raycon McWilliams torn ACL, gone for the season. Kerry Hyder torn Achilles probably gone for the season and uh, Malik McDowell concussion so significant time for that is there any of those you want to talk about or no I just want to say I think Dominic Easley now has had more ACL pairs than he has ACLs probably yeah (laughs) although it depends like do they farm them like just just get poor lads who want to help the team out and just go like just donate your ACLs Uh, just one ACL per month Carson Palmer's ACL was replaced with the Achilles tendon from a cadaver yeah apparently he he broke that as well which I shouldn't laugh at but that's horrific apparently they're the best ones to do it with because they're they're stronger than ACLs so then they work really well for athletes as as, as ACLs and Carson Palmer still managed to break (laughs) it 
Yeah, it's great. <laughs> uh, major extensions, so players who have been able to, to, to spin a bit more money out. Uh, Xavier Rhodes, quarterback from Minnesota Vikings, has a five-year $70 million with $41 million guaranteed. They also re-upped uh, Everson Griffin for four years, $58 million with $34 million guaranteed. Uh, this seems like a good shout. The one bright spot that we could see, even whenever they weren't playing that well, was the defence on that team last year. These are two very important pieces, so I, I presume we're overall happy with these signings. Minnesota right now is definitely a team building from the defence up, uh, similar to teams that have had success in the recent past, such as the Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. I think if you're going to continue that, it's best to lock up your young pieces now rather than waiting for that, waiting waiting around for like standoffs and other such situations as we'll talk about later on. Mm-hmm. I think Xavier Rhodes has proved himself to be like an excellent uh, sticky corner, and Everson Griffin has shown his, has shown continued. Not amazing, but very solid production on that defensive line. Racks up, continues to rack up those sacks and increases profile. Yeah, as with most Minnesota, with most of the Minnesota defense, they're almost better as a unit, and there's no real player that you're like, oh, that's the Minnesota defense. But there's no doubt that it's a team, it's a defense full of talented players, and I think we would expect the defense to hold up. It's really the offense where we'll see if that offensive line can can give them something to actually work with. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Atlanta locked up uh, Devonta Freeman, their running back. Uh, five years, 41, just over 41 million, 22 million guaranteed. Makes him the highest paid running back at the moment. Uh, I can see why he was very effective last year. Uh, and when you look at that, uh, that's slightly, that's I think almost exactly the same level of deal as was received by running backs 10 years ago, which shows an interesting devaluation of, of the position that that's now the highest paid, whereas that would have been the highest paid 10 years ago. Yeah. That's I think we all know I think that's an over overused talking point at this stage, but maybe that might we might see the market start to reset here a bit. It's gonna be very interesting. I think we'll discuss this a bit later, but it's gonna be very, very interesting now how Le'Veon Bell and his people Yeah look at this move but uh, I won't preempt that no no of course and uh, in the other major one I suppose is Cam Chancellor has been locked up three years 36 million with uh, 24 million guaranteed kind of locking in one of the last major pieces that wasn't going to be under contract for that Seahawks defense uh, kind of setting them up for this final run I believe that these contracts are kind of set to expire around the same time as your head coaches isn't that right Ronan? <laughs> you mean he's going to die it's an interesting prediction <laughs> his contract to expire everyone knows you can't kill him like Cam Chancellor I think the, the most interesting thing obviously he's getting on he's got a physical style of play so there's always a risk of giving him an extension you kind of think to that Marshawn Lynch contract mm-hmm. but I think you know the most interesting thing is that he had that holdout a couple of seasons ago that didn't go anywhere but now they are paying him I think the Seahawks have always had a big thing about we don't talk about extensions until a year out from the end of your contract and I think you know giving someone a reward for them not Continuing to hold out is probably what they're trying to get at here. And you know, Cam Chancellor, if he plays up to the level that we know he can, he's a one of the best safeties in the league and is getting paid like it. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, to run through a couple more of the ones that got uh, picked up, and uh, stop me if you want to chat about any of these. Uh, Detroit lock up Clover Quinn for two years, thirteen million. Uh, Jarrell Casey for Tennessee, and Dennis Leary locked up. It's uh, <laughs> hmm? a comedian. Yeah. Dennis Kelly. Oh, sorry. Den- yeah, no, Dennis Leary might actually be a better offensive lineman than Dennis <laughs> Kelly. I'm not sure how the fuck Dennis Kelly got. He got traded there from the Eagles because he stunk up the place. Yeah. And, uh, somehow extended. Fair enough, Tennessee. It's a bit mad. Uh, Pittsburgh have locked up uh, Villanueva, four years, 24. Uh, Mike Tomlin's been extended for two years, so he's now through to 2020. 
Um, a free run, a free run at the presidency. Then that's it. Uh, Dallas locked up Lyle Collins. Uh, I think they're starting to to want to make sure they hold as much of that O line together as they could. Carolina lock up Trey Turner, their guard. Uh, Jacksonville lock up Linder for five years, and uh, this one's for John. Uh, John Elway gets a five year extension and is now the highest paid GM in the league. Uh, is there any of those that you guys want to talk about in particular? Can't wait to see all the hot takes about uh, how GMs are overpaid and entitled. Yeah, good God. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the big takeaway is that offensive linemen are at a premium right now. And I think uh, of these, the only one that's really underpaid is, is, is Villanueva in Pittsburgh. Only getting $24 million for a starter left tackle seems like a bargain to me. Uh, and then on the other side, you see someone like Jacksonville spending $50 million on a on a centre. So. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't even considered like he's considered like one of the better ones, but not one of the like an elite center. So you know, kind yeah. of you might see some prediction of why certain teams have long term success versus others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Uh, other news since we were talking: franchise tag deadlines passed. Bell Cousins and Tremaine Johnson will all play on the tag. We've got some interesting uh, news, as uh, as Harry alluded to earlier. So Le'Veon Bell sent out a tweet talking about him not being happy about what he was offered. Uh, Pittsburgh also talked about what they did offer him. So reportedly he wants money closer to the wide receiver market because he catches so many balls and he thinks he's so, so, so much closer to a wide receiver and because there's such a gap between top wide receiver and top running back money. Uh, and there's already talks of potential holdouts here. Uh, one, do we think that a holdout is... Likely, and two, do we think that he's right in wanting to be paid more like a wide receiver? Look, you can't resent a football player looking for money. I think that's the first thing. Like, I think you're right to be paid like a wide receiver. Is he going to? Well, Jimmy Graham wasn't, so probably not. Mm. But the interesting thing about Le'Veon Bell is, and this might sound weird, right? Le'Veon Bell is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. He's also a player who we've seen Pittsburgh can be perfectly good team without. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, if you're Pittsburgh and you let Le'Veon Bell go and then Le'Veon Bell goes to somebody else, that's a significant game-changer because that closes the gap significantly, even if the impact seen Pittsburgh could succeed with the likes of DeAndre Williams leading the, mm-hmm. leading the backfield because they just have so many offensive weapons. The inclination, I think, is to hold on to him simply for that reason of like basically saying, look, it might make our team 5% worse, but it might make somebody else 25% better if they can hold yeah. him. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this goes down. If it comes down to it, if Bell comes out and is like, I want Antonio Brown money, I want whatever, uh, Julio Jones money, I think Pittsburgh will let him go. I think even if he holds it, I think Pittsburgh will yep. bite the bullet at some point and say it is just not worth it because Bell has his injury problems, he has his off-the-field concerns, oh, yeah. and when you're a GM making the decision, you you know, and it's a huge one to say, right, we're going to completely reset the running back market, we're going to sink a huge amount of money into a player like this, no matter how talented he is, that decision's on you, and that makes mm-hmm. or breaks your role as a GM it can make or break a coach you're not going to take that risk I think at the end of the day so I, I, I think that Bell you know go and try and get that money levy on if you can't get it in Pittsburgh get it somewhere else absolutely entitled to try to try it but I honestly don't think the Steelers are in a position where they will blink first and if they let him go I see you know there's half a dozen teams who will pay him whatever to oh, pay yeah. for them and there's also like they have historically kind of made these kind of calls beforehand because if you remember previously there was outrage from the fan base whenever they allowed Mike what's his name uh, Mike, Wallace. Mike Wallace to leave uh, but they said look we've got Brown coming up we think he'll be good no one had seen quite hot how good he would be at that point and stuff like that they don't seem to be a team that shies away from making decisions that they think are in the long term benefit even if it's something that might piss off the fan base a little if, bit if, J- if James Connor looks good 
that's a double whammy because firstly that gives them bargaining chip but secondly in terms of the fan base you've got a pit kid who's yeah. come you know had, had a, a cancer was it leukemia I think yeah, yeah cancer, uh, recovered yeah. from that you don't need to worry about the fans getting angry if he's oh. taking Bell's place and he plays well that's it that's it in other news uh, Kurt Cousins has uh, has decided to play under the tag even though that there have been some horrible things coming out about uh, him from the ownership of the Mazungus they came out and they said Kurt we had some good talks with him. Kurt is a good guy. For five minutes straight, Kurt is our man. But we wanted to make him the most highest. But I think he didn't sign because he wouldn't be able to cash the fucking checks, right? <laughs> like, uh, aside from the fact, I think we discussed this in the last one, but like, it would have actually been a very little actual benefit to him because the guaranteed money he'd get playing under the tag twice would be the same as what he'd be getting signing a five-year deal, which basically just gave them a team option on the third, fourth, and fifth years. Um, but yeah, we'll see whether this can be reconciled. But I think I think Kurt is looking very heavily at the uh, at the open market and getting away from that clusterfuck of an organisation. And just in final news on that, Rams and Johnson seem happy enough to play out for one more year. Rams love playing with their Johnson, don't they? Just don't they? Just <laughs> they're getting paid like a top quarterback. I don't think he's too unhappy. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, the only other bit that's kind of sitting around here is not quite a franchise tag, but there are one or two players who are sitting around the league looking to hold out for uh, for slightly better contracts. Like Aaron Donald is currently up in the air as to whether or not he's going to uh, turn up for anything until they uh, they pay him more. But I've heard rumours swirling that while the organisation want to change from their stance of, OK, yeah, we'll do this because we kind of need this player. I can't, I just cannot imagine a spot where they're going to let him like hold out for four games. <laughs> like... He is kind of the heart and soul of that defense, right? Yeah, I think you're you're confusing the Rams for a team who give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is the thing. Like they've set the prisons, they've done it two or three times. Trade, for example, yeah, this, this team is owned by Stan Kroenke. Like they don't <laughs> care. Oh, my. they've moved to LA, and that's it. They're happy. They don't care what happens now. That's it. Uh, so onto crime and punishment. What are they going to do? Probably felonies. Uh, we'll fly through these quickly as we can. Well, this, is, this shows how long it's been. Dallas's wide receiver, Lucky Whitehead. <laughs> Uh, charged with shoplifting and having his dog stolen by a hip-hop uh, medium star. Seems to have been a case of mistaken identity. However, he was cut by Dallas, was then picked up by the New York Jets, and has since got injured. <laughs> so uh, it's not been a good couple of weeks for Lucky Whitehead. Uh, he might want to change his name. Devontae Moore has been suspended for two games for substance abuse policy. Uh, David Irving gets four games suspension for denying the Holocaust. Dante Fowler has been arrested on two misdemeanor charges. Of, oh, sorry, it's the other David Irving. The other David Irving. It's a uh, PDs. Uh, Dante Fowler is arrested on two misdemeanor charges. Uh, simple battery and mischief, which is <laughs> just... God damn it, America. Get your charges what together. What doing? Like, tweaking people on the nose? Like... Yeah. I believe the the, uh, the misdemeanor in this case involved him stealing a man's glasses and crushing them. Oh yeah, yeah, he broke his yeah, in the road rage thing. Yeah, yeah. so uh, he, he he was quite the bully, I think, and he'll have to give up his lunch money for a while, I think, in Jacksonville. Uh, oh god, uh, Gary and Callie's rape report was dismissed. No charges have been made. Uh, Jarvis Landry's being investigated for a domestic battery charge. The details suggest that there's not enough for it to be moved forward, but we'll see how that as it as, as it continues. I think the the subject of the battery charge, as kind of Glenn said, uh, it was just verbal. It wasn't anything. It wasn't anything too big. So I think it's just it'll probably blow over. Fair enough. And uh, lad is Jalen Collins has been suspended for ten games for repeated PED violations. Are there any of these that you guys want to hop into, or we have to just leave them be? Just want to make a note that I admire Dallas's moral, upstanding character. You know that lucky Whitehead. <laughs> <laughs> accused of a, cr- a minor crime he did not commit has been 
removed by the moral uh, guardians of Dallas while Ezekiel Elliott, they are now uh, taking the NFL to court to defend. Yeah, of course. It's just amazing, like, how nakedly hypocritical teams are, and it just... Nobody gives a shit. It must be in their head. It must be kind of more of a kind of like a body thing of like, look, we'll, we'll we'll punish this guy, and then that's one in the bank. So we oh, don't yes, have to punish this offset. guy. Like you yeah, know, of course. other bits of news from around the world. Uh, I say around the world. Most most of the states. Brandon Albert. This is a great story. Brandon Albert, who got traded to Jacksonville in the offseason, retired after nine seasons. Said thanks very much. He heard stories that he wasn't doing too well in camp and everything. So he retired. Everyone said, that's grand. They moved their rookie over to, to take over the spot at left tackle. And then Brandon realized that if he was to retire, he'd have to give them back $3.4 million. So he decided to report to camp. In which case, Jacksonville have now moved him from the left of the team to the retired list. And now have all the controls over what happens. Because they can leave him there. And I think he still owes them the $3.4 million. Uh, Brandon, hire a new agent. Hire someone who will explain basic maths to you before you do things. I hear Russell Oakland is available. <laughs> I think I think they finally cut him officially uh, yesterday. So you know, go free, Brandon. Okay. So I think so. I think that means he gets to keep the three point four million, but yeah. they get to take back the conditional draft pick they sent for him because he isn't there. I think he had to play three games or something for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, Ryan Clady retires, a 10-year veteran, did a good job in, in Denver, but uh, was injured, so he's he, he's saying goodbye. John Urschel's retired after three seasons, uh, he's going to go off and do his PhD in maths, so no more drafting smart boys, uh, that's what you get. Uh, Ninkovic <laughs> retired, which I think everyone was expecting anyway. Brandon Flowers retired, wasn't as expected, but his play had kind of fallen off a bit in recent years. Uh, I do remember him fondly from his days back in... Uh, in Kansas City and then I think more about his time in Kansas City and that's not quite as fondly Vince Wilfork officially retired he retired three times uh, kind of because he did an official retirement while he was still with the Texans uh, where he pushed his new barbecue business uh, which was great uh, he says he's hanging up the cleats to go smoking meats and then he went over and he retired officially on a one day contract with uh, the New England Patriots which was which was good fun uh, you're a big fan of, of Will Fork don't say anything about his career yeah, firstly if anyone's keeping count that's two not three but uh, <laughs> well, I thought I thought he had to do one in at the uh, it's Vince everything's bigger yeah worry. fair enough um, yeah no look I mean Will Fork I think we knew um, this was going to happen uh, at the end of last season he made some noises and obviously the uh, ovation he received playing for the Texans in, in uh, at, at Foxborough. Uh, I think at that point we kind of knew his time was done. He hadn't been uh, hadn't been an every down player for the last few seasons. Hadn't been he was still effective uh, situationally, but he wasn't the monster he used to be. And I mm-hmm. think it was time to step away before the wheels completely fell off. And um, look, we'll always have fond memories of Vince. I think uh, he's, he was one of the good guys. Like he really, really was, yeah, was in the league. Fun. And it's interesting. He was a player who you know. Was drafted with a lot of red flags, with a lot of mm-hmm. uh, behavioural issues coming out of college, and he was a guy who really turned himself around and became, you know, took over the starting position and became an integral part of the organisation, both uh, on the field and culturally. Like I mean, we've all seen him on Hard Knocks. We all know the story about him pulling the woman out of a out of burning car who turned out to be a drunk driver who crashed because she was drunk. But you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't know that. He saved the wrong person. <laughs> he saved, yeah, look, <laughs> well, he saved the only person. He only hurt herself. Like, but. Fair enough. Like let's be the moments you you remember about him, like his involvement in the butt fumble or the <laughs> interception against uh, 
San Diego and all of these things mm. all that time he knocked Donald Jones into the middle of next week him uh, throwing but, in the, the first pitch in his dungarees yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> but uh, I think what, what will really like the, the, the thing about Will Fork is the bits that you don't remember are what made him important it was mm-hmm. all of those clogging up the middle all of those being double or triple yeah. teamed to, to, to create disruption not getting this flashy numbers not getting the, the big plays but just being a cog that allowed the rest of the defence to work because he required so much attention because he caused so many problems for linemen because he was able to cause so many problems for running back and just collapse and clog up the lanes in the middle. Well, here's the question, because I think we discussed this once before, uh, maybe about a year or so ago. Uh, do you think he's going to get a gold jacket? I think he deserves a gold jacket. I think he is probably one of he is sort of probably the best nose tackle of his generation. I think some people might disagree with me on that, but I, I genuinely think mm-hmm. he is. I think he's integral to the story of the Patriots. He was the I think other than Tom Brady, he was the uh, one of one of yeah I think he was the only player other than Brady who lasted the entire. Uh, ten-year gap between Super Bowls mm-hmm. from that original team to the team that won yeah. later, two rings. I, it's hard to say with Hall voters, but though, like, will he get it? I don't know. Yeah. Like, and they're notoriously bad at ever giving anything to big linemen. Like big that's... linemen who don't get stats, don't get noticed, and now mm-hmm. you've got this massive backlog at wide receiver, which is only, let's be honest, with the way the game is going, only going to get worse as time goes on. Yeah. And you just wonder, is Will Fork, uh, is Will Fork or any of his uh, guys who are in his kind of position, mm-hmm. linemen, guys who played in the trenches, played the zero technique, guard centres on the other side of the ball, are they going to get a shot? And you're like, Pfft, we'll I don't see. know, we'll Don Coriel still isn't in there, so uh, Hall of Fame voters are idiots. Yeah. Uh, just two last final bits of news. Former New England quarterback uh, Bay Petrilli dies in 97. He was part of the 1960s All-Decade team. And uh, a large study in Boston University on CTE showed a large number of, I think it was 110 out of 111 samples showed CTE in them. Like, this is probably to be expected, aside from the fact that we know that this is a thing that happens. Also, if you donate your brain to CTE research, you probably have a good reason to believe that you've been affected by it. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those ones I'm sure we'll get more out of it. There's been a lot of news stories knocking around about players using new bits of technology in their helmets and everything. Uh, oh, so, Luke Keating's neck thing, have you seen that? Yeah, I saw. God, it's Weird. very interesting looking. We might actually do a little chat about that when we have slightly less news to be doing mm. next yeah, time. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, sure. Look, on that fabulous note, we're going to move on to the final bit of our previews for this season. So first up, we're going to look at the AFC South. This is the Colts, Jags, Texans, and Titans. Well, we're going to kick off with the Colts. So uh, as we did last time, in Zouts, kind of some of the main talking points. I'll kind of come to you guys on them, and then we'll look at our predictions. So the Colts have added in uh, Malik Hooker, Quincy Wilson, uh, Jabal Sheard, Marcus Hunt, uh, Jonathan Hankins and Al Woods. Uh, they've lost Dwayne Allen, Micah Adams, Eric Walden, Pat McAfee, Destroyer of Worlds. Uh, so obviously there's questions still reigning at the moment over Luck's shoulder injury, uh, whether he'll be playing or not. Uh, they're now being very strong in how they're saying that he will be playing, uh, but he's still not been throwing fully in practice or uh, been involved in, in proper kind of thing so that would have a huge knock on effect I think this team lives and dies by luck uh, how will this defensive overhaul look they have had a historically piss poor uh, well both defence and O-line let's be honest but uh, defence has not really been up to scratch for a while they brought in a lot of pieces how will it look and um I suppose the 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 the, uh, the unstoppable force of, of Frank Gore will he actually uh, finally slow down this year? So I suppose Harry, I'll come to you first. Uh, what do you think is probably the most pressing issue, or what do you think of this team? Yeah, well, I think you've identified it. The, the most pressing thing is always going to be is Andrew Luck healthy, and it, it's weird we're hearing you know from the team. Oh yeah, he won't be on the PUP in week one. I'm like, that's a very specific <laughs> thing to say, isn't it? Um, so there's been a lot of rumours swirling that his injury might be worse than expected. We know he played with an injury for basically a year and a half, to be honest with you, 
which is not going to do you any good. Uh, it's probably ended up exacerbating it. So it'll be interesting to see what the actual recovery time is there, and it'll also be interesting to see if the Colts end up chucking him back in before he's ready, because as we know, this man is a very poorly managed team, or has been for the last few years. We'll see if it's a bit better without Grigson now. But um, yeah, it's ultimately... Can Andrew Luck recover, and then can they keep Andrew Luck from getting absolutely murdered this season? Mm-hmm. And the signs on neither really are trending upwards. I, mean, <laughs> I believe it. I'm thinking very much. I believe it when I see it approach. But at the end of the day, it comes down to you have this incredibly talented quarterback. You have failed to surround him with adequate talent, barring really T.Y. Hilton and, and whatever is left of Frank Gore, who is solid but isn't. You know, you can't rely on Gore in the way he's not an elite running back anymore though he's yeah. certainly a very very good one I mean so you're not saying you can't rely on Gore because you can rely on Gore but you can't he's not a game breaker anymore yeah. he's just a very good running back so I, I, I'm just not convinced that this team is going to go anywhere fast and I don't think we're going to see an immediate kind of revival in their fortunes like adding bits on the defense like Sheridan Hunt these are like situational pass rushers mm-hmm. this isn't like what this team used to have back in the day and like a guy like for example when Eric Walden was in his prime like they've been looking to replace that and they never they never have been able to so it's worrying that this is a team that's again going to come back and have luck throw the ball 50 times a game end up hurting his shoulder again and I'm not sure that Chuck Pagano is a good enough coach to avoid doing that yeah. I'm not sure their personnel department has shown itself to be good enough to avoid doing that so I'm not massively confident that the Colts are going to have a, any kind of real turnaround this season. So what do you reckon wins losses? So I have them going 8-8, eight and eight, which I think is maybe even being a little bit generous, but is I think that 8-8 eight and eight is a result of I think, the division they play in to an extent. Yeah. I'm not particularly sold in any of the teams here, as you'll yeah. uh, find out as we go through I think it's a theme we're going to see yeah. two year ones. But I, I, just don't, I just don't think the talent is there. I think that they're too reliant on one or two pieces on the offense to dig them out of hole after hole after hole. Uh, again, it's just with the Colts, they're a team where... You, you know, you, you you can't say anything other than I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe these things are better when I see it no, because no. my belief in this team's ability to turn itself around is pretty much rock bottom right now. Yeah, fair enough. What about yourself, Ron? What do you think of these Colts team? Yeah, like I think it's it's an interesting team. Obviously, it had a, a fairly significant change. They brought in the new GM, Chris Ballard, and his focus in the offseason was definitely on the defense. And I think you know Harry's right. None of these are like star players. But I think the biggest thing is that they're getting younger at, at defense. That defense for so long has really been a carryover for far too long, and they're finally, you know, lancing the ball and actually getting into it. I think Malik Hooker was very highly rated in the draft process, and I think if he becomes that kind of free safety dynamo, someone like Earl Thomas in, in Seattle, that could make a huge difference to that team on the back end. I think with the players that they brought in, like Jonathan Hankins, who's a very solid defensive tackle, if they can just shore up the run defense, then I think that defense can go from being one of like the poorest to one of the uh, one, one of the one of the like better ones in the division. Obviously, not the best in this division because it's probably one of the best defensive divisions in the league. Uh, but of course, like the question marks over Andrew Luck basically hang over the team. If Andrew Luck misses any substantial time, you could basically knock probably like three to five games off all of our uh, mm-hmm. predictions for this team. And of course, we now have the the further news that Ryan Kelly was seen in crutches. That their their star center. And that doesn't give a lot of hope that if Andrew Luck does come back, that he'll be adequately protected. So I think you know, I think there's definitely a sense that they've turned that they're turning a corner. 
but that there's that this season could definitely end up being a bit of a transition between the luck injury, well, like the luck injury stuff lingering due to him perhaps pushing him back early, too early once again, and this defense kind of like finding out which pieces are going to stick and which are, which aren't. So I think for me, I think this is one of the teams with the widest kind of like variance and what could end mm-hmm. up happening to them. But I think overall they'll probably end up sticking around the middle of the pack. Uh, uh, due primarily to the fact that they get to play some some pretty poor teams in the division, and where you can expect close games due to poor offense. And you've got so, them going what? Seven and nine uh, this season. But once again, I say like it could be anywhere between like three and and eleven wins. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, like I, I'm I'm with you on that. I think there's a lot of questions over luck. If luck plays, I think there's probably enough talent on offense to win a few games I'm hoping that some of these new defensive pieces bet in I'm slightly more higher up than you guys are on them this season but I also don't have them making the playoffs I have them going 10-6 and six and taking the ninth seed uh, so, so out of the playoffs I think they're going to show well but it's going to be a lot of close games and it's going to make them feel like there's a chance for the future that they're seeing development from these young players but this is going to be the final kind of like right this is the start of something new we need to wash out everything from beforehand and next up we've got the Jags they've added in Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin Clayus Campbell AJ Bouet Barry Church Leonard Fournette Brandon Albert uh, ish, and uh, Cam <laughs> Robinson uh, <laughs> outs Brandon Albert uh, uh, <laughs> Gus Bradley, Prince of Mugamora, uh, Jonathan Cyprian, Jared Odrick, uh, Kelvin Beecham and Julius Thomas. So the obvious question that's going to happen with this is uh, like Tom Coughlin's been brought in to be the GM but kind of be a coach at the same time. How is this mixture going to work? Is this a kind of transitionary period for them to have him in as a GM and then maybe have him slide in as a head coach in a year or two's time? They've got a lot of talent on this roster, especially on the defensive side. Can it come together to actually provide the kind of output that that amount of players should be able to provide? So as a general question, which I think is where... uh, where I decide to differ from from you two, particularly on this one. Uh, does anything matter if Bortles is still the quarterback? I'll tell you why it doesn't matter. Because they've said they want to run the ball 50 times and Leonard Fournette looked pretty fucking good uh, in college and in that little bit of time he played in the preseason game we've seen so far. Uh, well, I'll come to you first on this one then, uh, Fitz. What do you think of this Jags team? You build into the Jags hype? <laughs> It's a mess. This team is a complete goddamn mess. Like, that defense, uh, I'm sure you'll talk about it, Connor, because I think you're a bit more optimistic about them. Uh, I'll admit, could be really, really good. Could be elite. Could be up there, perhaps, the Texans defense, uh, which is saying a lot with the talent they have. But for me, there are two glaring issues. Uh, firstly, there's the too many cooks situation. Like, I think Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone, this kind of power imbalance within the team is going to be disruptive if things start going badly. Uh, which I think they will, but I think more importantly, and I think you, you said it there, Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is a terrible quarterback, a terrible, terrible, terrible quarterback. And you can say Leonard Fournette will run the ball, but Leonard Fournette's going to get stat eight-man boxes, stacking him up, and it doesn't matter how good you are. He'll start passing. No it's fine. <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it then, especially since like the tackle position is still a bit of a question mark uh, with Cam Robinson coming in as a rookie, and he was kind of more mocked as a, as a guard prospect than a tackle prospect. But, like, Blake Bortles, like, you know, uh, like, we don't have enough time here to really get into how bad Blake Bortles is, but I think, like, the summary of Blake Bortles is he, he isn't a quarterback that, like, he isn't just a quarterback that's bad. He is a quarterback who actively loses you games. Like, 
Blake Bortles only has a job right now because he's the garbage time king because he can throw 20 touchdowns when players like when teams play they're defending the defense 15 minutes after 51 in the last quarter because he's thrown three picks already and given the game away like Blake Bortles seems to have a decision making process in the head which seems to be perfectly fine tuned to throw the ball away in the most problematic times like if the game is on the ball Blake Bortles is the last quarterback in the entire league that I would put on my team worse than Ryan Fitzpatrick worse than Geno Smith worse than Blaine Gabbert he is literally the last quarterback I put my team because when the pressure is on he plays the worst and that is the worst thing you could have for a quarterback Blake Bortles is going to sink this team he is worth negative five six wins to me so this year could be a 10, 10 win team with an average quarterback but they have Blake Bortles and they're going to sink again and maybe next year they'll get someone who can actually take this defense and, and this talent and make something of it but it won't be this season because Jags so you've got them going how much? 4 and 12 <laughs> very good now to much loftier heights um, I, I strongly disagree with Ronan I strongly disagree with Ronan because EJ Manuel is a worse quarterback than Blake Bortles no. That's it. No, he is. He is. <laughs> Have you seen E.J. Manuel recently? They come on and be like, oh, we're going to do a cool wildcat play with E.J. I just throw an interception. Like, he would literally come on to throw interceptions. But that's a, the one exception. Like, other than that, Bortles is, is awful. Look, this is... I, I think Ronan sort of hit the nail on the head here. There is just... It's chaos. The defense is a grab bag of talent. But they were a grab bag of talent last season. And they fell to fucking pieces when push came to shove. Like, they could flat-track bully against uh, less talented teams, but they weren't well-coached enough and they weren't cohesive enough as a unit to do it. And this miracle that Tom Coughlin is supposed to... It's hilarious. Tom Coughlin comes in and what's he doing? He's finding players for being not early enough for meetings. Like, it's just... He's just a grumpy old man at this stage. I think, he, and I think he's, banned the, uh, he's banned the coaches from wearing sunglasses because they have to, like... Whenever they're given instruction, they want them to look them in the eye. Like, that's, yeah, like, that's just, a proper, just, like, old just, man screams at clouds. Yeah, like, just fucking just, like, leeches all over the medical facility. <laughs> like, it's just fucking crazy at this point. Like, this team, like, they, they look, they, they, you can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to clear off the chaff. They're trying to bring in more talented players. You can't argue that they've probably got more talent in than they've had out uh, at this point. But, look, Blake Bortles, or that preseason game against New England that you mentioned, Blake Bortles couldn't fucking figure out that Cyrus Jones sucks. Chad fucking Henney did that. Chad Henney threw a 97-yard touchdown pass because he could identify that Cyrus Jones mm-hmm. is incapable of covering a receiver. Blake Bortles couldn't see that. He doesn't see the field. He stays there, he stands in the pocket, and the best thing he did in that game was he stands in the pocket against New England's second-string pass rushers, getting loads of time, and then dump it off for five fucking yards. Like, he isn't good enough. He doesn't see the field, he doesn't see things, he doesn't make decisions... And the problem is that this team, I just don't think, has enough cohesion, has enough talent to bail them out. Yeah, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette will be great, and then he'll have had 400 curries by week seven, and his legs will have fallen off. I, I just, it's very hard to like the Jaguars, and I'm not just bitter because I got burned by them last season because I thought they were going to be good. But <laughs> What's your, What have you got them on prediction? They're the spookiest team in the league. So I have them going 5-11. and 11. I have them with one more win than Ronan does, but this is not a good team, and I just don't think this team... It's going to be a good team until they have a quarterback. Yeah, I Hashtag bring back Gabbert. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm going to put it. I think they've got a lot of talent in the team. I think they're going to be better coached than they were beforehand. I'm with you, Charlie. That Blake Bortles is awful. I don't think he's as awful as you're saying, but he would be like bottom five for me anyway in terms of quarterback. I don't think Blake Bortles is going to be quarterbacking this team by week sixteen. Uh, I don't think he'll be quarterbacking this team by week six. 
Uh, I have a feeling that they're going to pick up one or two people. I've, I, uh, I've, uh, I, 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 yeah, because Tom Coughlin will tolerate Colin Kaepernick. Tom Coughlin will be able to weather Colin Kaepernick. Uh, <laughs> it will be fine. Uh, Tom Coughlin will lock him in the brig or something. Like. Yeah, be fine. Absolutely fine. How do you deal with like a whole lot of angry old white people? You put yeah. an angry old white face on it and say, I'll make sure he stays in line. Well, but Colin Kaepernick is a running quarterback, and he'll probably be running a lot from Tom Coughlin. Yeah, <laughs> but no, uh, I, I, I think that they've got a lot of talent on the team. I think they're going to not have Blake Bortles around to fuck it up, or Blake Bortles will figure out enough to not be constantly fucking it up for them. Uh, I don't have them making the playoffs. So I also have them getting ten wins, and this being like the most successful Jag season. This is my big surprise prediction of the year: ten wins for the Jag, and then in Jags fashion, getting ten wins and not making the playoffs. I will, I will make, you, I will make some kind of ridiculous bet on that right now. Right now, if you can think of a four. I will, make, I will bet you that the Giants will, do not get 10 right, minutes we'll, we'll try and think of a forfeit or we'll even allow our, uh, our fans to text in potential forfeits <laughs> oh, in the no. next but yeah uh, 10 6 I'm a bit more I'm a bit more bullish on them than you guys are uh, on to the Texans uh, oh the Texans they've added in Deshaun Watson uh, JJ Watts back hooray uh, Zach Cunningham's in uh, Brock Osweiler's <laughs> gone uh, AJ Bouye Quentin Demps is gone John Simon's gone uh, so obvious ongoing conflict here who's going to be the starting quarterback is it going to be Tom Savage is it going to be Deshaun Watson uh, like me don't really care all that much about that uh, I think regardless of who starts Watson's going to have this job by week 6 anyway uh, they have an exceptionally well stacked defence a very good front 7 and then obviously the the, the, the fabulous arc that will be covered on every single NFL game even when they don't feature the Texans JJ Watt's coming back isn't he just amazing god don't we just love JJ Watt fuck you JJ Watt that's what I say fuck you uh, hey, Connor, who, do, who do you hate more, Justin Tucker or JJ Watt? That's a hard one. Um, we don't have time to go over there. No, I'll, I'll have a think. This will be this will be in our in our uh, our final preseason <laughs> episode and the hate rankings. Uh, so I'll come to you first of this, Harry. Uh, what do you make of this Texans team? What do you think that they need to get sorted? Yeah, well, I think quarterback is a big question, and I mean, I know you can only judge so much from from week one of preseason, but God. Neither of them looked good, and it was weird. I watched the game, and then I watched the um, media reaction to the game, and it was like I was watching something completely different. Like Tom Savage, obviously, was just pants because he's Tom Savage. But like Watson doesn't look anywhere close to ready. Like every single snap, he was rolling out to the mm-hmm. right, trying to extend it. Like he doesn't Everything have bootlegged. Doesn't Everything. have any pocket presence, and that can only get you so far. In the, that can really can only get you so far, particularly when you come up against teams that are in any way well coached defensively, and that's very concerning. I've no doubt that he has talent, and I do I do like him as a prospect, but I'm not sure he's going to be ready this season. I think if he's thrown in week six, it's going to be too early. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think this could be end up being another difficult year for for Houston offensively. Uh, defensively, despite the loss of Boya, I think they're probably going to be fine. That front seven is nasty enough that they can get away with a lot of stuff. And again, but again, once they come up against the better teams, once they come up against better offenses, teams that can 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 stretch the field a bit more, they're going to mm-hmm. run into trouble there. So I expect Texans are going to be involved in a lot of, sort of ugly games, a lot of close games, something that I think Texans fans probably become a little used to over the last few seasons. Yeah, but I'm I'm just not sure that they're ready yet and I think next season is going to be when they'll want to really see Watson stepping up mm-hmm. so for now it's just I think a question of you know finding what works taking a little time to see what the offense is going to look like in a year and then can they hold on to those pieces so I see this being a bit of a transitional year uh, for te- the Texans and if they can avoid you know trying to treat Watson as being a savior which is I think a concerning narrative we're already seeing emerging around people like him like Mitch Trubisky and so on uh, Deshaun Kaiser around the league a lot of pressure going on, on these young quarterbacks um, but if they can avoid doing that 
they're going to be okay next season. This season, I have them going seven and nine because I think again, weak division. I think um, their uh, defense is good enough that they're going to be able to to top it out against. Uh, poor, mediocre teams, but against teams that are better coached, against teams with more talent, they're going to, as they have been, found out that J.J. Watt can only do so much uh, because he is, in fact, human after all. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my prediction for the Texans. And I think we're going to get take more from seeing how they do things than what the results of those yeah. things are going to be. I, also, I think there's a bit of a bit of blood in the water here of if they don't get something going on the offense, like we might be looking at the last season of, of Bill O'Brien here because mm. uh, there's been the, what, three, four seasons now. They haven't had any real production. They made the, the playoffs twice. By default. Uh, but it, yeah, it was by default and they were unceremoniously turfed out of them afterwards. Uh, what about yourself, Ronan? What do you reckon are the big issues facing them? Yeah, like I think it's hard to ignore the quarterback situation. I think that obviously that obviously puts a huge cap on where they can be if they like they're not going to be contender the SC unless they can sort out that quarterback position. I'm a bit higher on the Sean Watson himself. I think if you're playing a conservative game plan, which is pretty much what the Texans are going to do since they're relying on their D, like Deshaun Watson, it's hard to imagine him being any worse than Tom Savage, Brock Osweiler, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett. Remember, these are the types of these are the types of quarterbacks that the Texans have managed to drag over the finishing line. The types of quarterbacks into. of the future that they selected and thought would make their offense yeah. work. So, like, Bill O'Brien is perhaps not the best. Uh, on, on the <laughs> not, not the best. Opinion, He's a Tom Brady backup. How could he fail? A solid team where even an average or indeed very much below average quarterback can do enough to get this team uh, up towards the kind of mid eight and eight uh, situation and for me personally I think you know this is the same story just repeated like just put the same story repeat but at least with Deshaun Watson there is a hope there that this could be a long term solution at quarterback and if he actually comes along towards the end of the season they might actually do some stuff in the playoffs if they make it uh, so I think it's, it's hope for the Texans but I don't think that, like in terms of the future but I think this season is, is pretty much more the same exceptional uh, at least some hope not Brock Osweiler basically it's always an improvement so how you got them going have them going 9-7 and seven, being the 6th seed uh, in the AFC interesting so you think the 9-7 and seven would be enough for a 6th seed as well always fun yeah very good. Um, yeah, I'm very much the same. I'm actually further down them because I don't think that they're going to get the quarterback play they need at all. I think the defense will look good. It'll flash well in spots, but they're not going to be able to rely on them. They've got a tough enough run of some of the games. So I've got them going 6-10, and 10, and I've got them probably saying goodbye to their head coach after this season and looking into bringing someone else in because the narrative is going to be, though, look, we have all this great defense here and you've missed on five fucking quarterbacks at this point. Like, they haven't had... And they've got good wide receivers as well. They just constantly fuck up. Well, they have to have one wide receiver at the moment. I think the rest of the yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, they've got the one at the moment. But, like, it's, it's that thing of, like, they have brought in weapons. It's just they've never managed to get anything going on them. So, uh, 6 and 10, good for 13th in the AFC in my head. Next up is the Titans. Uh, some of these is the, the sneaky surprise, uh, myself included, of the of the season from the AFC South. Uh, they've added in Jonathan Cyprian, Logan Ryan, Adore Jackson, Corey Davis, Eric Decker, Taiwan Taylor, Sylvester Williams. They lost Chance Warmack, Brian Schwenke, <laughs> uh, Jason McCourty and Kendall Wright. 
couple of questions on this. What the secondary going to look like? Uh, it was a weak point for them previously. Are they going to be able to, to, to pull it together? Uh, will Mariotta be able to kind of realise his potential here now that he's got new weapons? Right? They have a ton of offensive weapons here in this team now. So realistically, he has to kind of put up or shut up at this point. Uh, and then this has all led to this kind of sneaky, hush discussion thing of like, are Tennessee actually going to be very good this year? Can they actually contend in the AFC? I wouldn't say they're quite at contending level in my head, but they're up there with like the, if this team fires correctly, they can put on a show and they could be a very impressive team. They could be a difficult team to have to deal with, I think. Uh, so I'll go to you first on this one, Harry. Uh, what do you think about this Titans team? Yeah, it's... Trending in the right direction, I think. Uh, like I like Mariota. I think he's a talented quarterback. And I think, look, they have, as you said, absolutely surrounded him with weapons. They've said, look, have Corey Davis, have Eric Decker, whatever. Go nuts. See what you can pull out. And um, I, I actually, I'm expecting big things from them offensively. Like, we know we've seen flashes from Derek Henry. Mm-hmm. We know DeMarco Murray can still get it done. Uh, they've got rid of two basically bust O linemen. Um, which I think is a bit of a statement of intent there as regards something that's been a problem for Tennessee. We saw a little bit of progress on last season. My concern is is that their secondary still sucks. Um, their defense overall isn't really full of superstars other than maybe like Gerald Casey, mm-hmm. but whatever bits are left of Brian Arakpo. But like Logan Ryan, I know him well. Very good physical guy, very good man press guy. Can't keep up with fast receivers. Isn't a number one corner. Very good number two. Isn't a number one corner. Adore Jackson, I don't know if he's ready yet. We're going to see a lot of him on special teams, I think, more than yeah. anything else. There's nothing to indicate that he can cover number one wide receivers. Jonathan Cyprian, fantastic box safety, hard hitter, physical, can't cover worth a shit. Mm. And this is the problem, is that Tennessee have got some dudes, and they're throwing them into the mix here, but we're yet to really see anyone emerge there as who can actually take away key receiving threats. And until then, it's very difficult to see them being contenders in the AFC, because you're like, all right, Antonio Brown is here now. And he's gone. Yeah. Like, it's... With that piece missing, I don't think they're going to be that kind of real proper contender. But with that said, I think on the basis of the offense, on the basis of the fact they have the only non-completely dismal offense in this division, it's going to be enough for them. I have them going 9-7 and because I still have too many questions about them defensively to say that this is going to be a 10-11 win team. Although mm-hmm. you never know if it all comes together, maybe it will. But I think they're moving in the right direction. I think this is a young team. I think this is a talented team. I think even when you look at veteran signings like Eric Decker... Those are signings that make sense. It's like, oh, well, we've got, you know, really, Glaney Walker's the only really reliable red zone target on the team. Mm. Let's bring a guy, even though he's lost a step, he's big and he's physical and he can play, you know, as that kind he's of... He's a possession kind of guy. Red you zone run in possession. that crossing, yeah. Exactly. What don't we have? So, like, and that makes sense. Corey Davis looks, looks phenomenally talented. I'm very excited to see what he can do in the league. So, I think, yeah, this is a team in a good position offensively, isn't quite there defensively, mm-hmm. but if they have a nine-seven season and make the playoffs, that's the big step you want to see in the next in the right direction. They like that's cool. them for you. That's them making the playoffs, isn't it? Exactly, yeah, that is perfect. them making the playoffs, winning the division. And I think if they can do that and then say, right, okay, what are we going to do? Then we'll look free agency and the draft next season. Let's mm-hmm. fix that cornerback position, and then they're in a really, really yeah. good spot. Bit of cornerback, bit of line work, maybe. Exactly. Uh, what about yourself, Ron? What do you think? Yeah, like I, I think the te- the Titans is one of those teams that everyone likes, but would like would 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 like to like more. Basically, would like to kind of feel that they're going to make that next step. Because Mariota is probably one of the most exciting young quarterbacks in the league right now, and if he can stay healthy, that would be a major step forward for the team as well. Uh, it's it's it, like it is really a cap if you just it, like they should really try and protect him this season if they can, even though obviously he's such a dynamic player on the edge. Uh, I think Harry points out the secondary. I think the secondary will be average, and I think that'll be enough to make them the defense have a big step over up over last season when it was actually just 
awful. Uh, <laughs> that, that, I think that's, that's an improvement. But I think, yeah, I think there's kind of that feeling that we're all waiting for the Tennessee Titans to make that next step and turn into like a genuine AFC contender. Uh, but we're all kind of holding our, our gunpowder a little bit. Uh, and, and, and for good reason I think that you know the, the Mike Malarkey is just the kind of coach that we think can, can do that kind of thing probably not uh, but for me like you know I, I think the Titans are kind of one of those weird teams that are good I think everyone likes them but I think we're all kind of waiting to see that they can actually put it together over the course of a season we've seen flashes over the last two seasons that make us excited but nothing to kind of suggest they have the uh, consistency that they need to have to mm-hmm. be in the hunt for the you know upper ends of the ASC, uh, maybe get those kind of better playoff positions. So for me, I have been going nine and seven equal to the Texans for getting the number four seed, uh, probably on a, a on a tiebreaker. Yeah, fair enough. I a little bit more bullish. I'm going to get them going eleven and five, taking the three seed uh, in the in the uh, AFC. My base rationale is I'm I'm with you a lot on what you're saying. The defense is not excellent, but I think it's getting up to kind of normal standards. I can only imagine this offense is going to be great, and now they've got all these additional weapons for the passing game. But they have a very good run game to lean on. So things like how are they going to deal with these very high-end receivers and stuff it's going to be similar to how like mediocre Chiefs teams have done it as well it's going to be being able to eat clock to keep their defences off the field to keep them as fresh as humanly possible and then just let them try and make a stop every once in a while they have the skill to go with people offensively and if they get mediocre play and a well-rested variation of their defence then I think they stand a chance later on in games which is where I think is very important because <laughs> that's when mistakes are made. Uh, so I have it breaking well for them going eleven and five. I don't have them kind of, you know, at the top end of the thing, but I think that they are they're going to be a much improved team. They're going to be very well set up for doing exactly what you were saying, Harry, targeting to try and get more elite cornerback work and and DB work there and some safeties and maybe a little bit of line and then pushing really hard next year. So that brings us to the end of the AFC South. It's time to move on to the AFC West, uh, the absolute bloodbath of the division that it's going to be. This contains the Broncos, the Chargers, the Chiefs and the Raiders. So we'll kick off with the Broncos. Additions have been Ronald Leary, Menelik Watson, Garrett Bowles, Jamal Charles, oh Jamal, uh, Vance Joseph. They've lost Gary Kubiak, Wade Phillips, Russell Okun, uh, Demarcus Ware, Sylvester Williams. So questions, questions, questions. Uh, we're, I'm going to swap these around because I think it's more pressing. Which one of these quarterbacks is going to be the mediocre quarterback for the season? <laughs> uh, Paxton Lyncher or Trevor Simeon? Or someone else they're going to bring in. I'm surprised they didn't try and bring in a Jay Cutler or someone during the offseason, to be honest. Uh, but I get uh, that they want to keep it... don't know if Jay Cutler wants to go back to Denver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. But like for, for, for a team, if you want to have a nice team to be set up on and put him onto, something like this would be good. There's huge questions surrounding that O-line, which might have also affected the <laughs> discussion. Because uh, they've, they've replaced members and they've brought in... Uh, for some of the replacements. Uh, Raiders cast-offs, I love it. Yeah, and then this defence. Now, this defence has been, for a number of years, one of the top ones in the league. In some seasons, it was the top one in the league. Uh, it's lost some pieces, some pieces have missed a step, but they've replaced some with, with some pieces with new players. And how do we think that's going to look on? This is a team that, I think, given the quarterback situation, lives or dies on how effective that defence is and, to an extent, how that run game is going to be able to support them afterwards. So I'll come to you first on this one, Fitz. Uh, what do you think of the big issues facing the Broncos? Yeah, I think it has to start with the quarterback and that offensive line. Uh, like Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, all of the indications that we're getting from early on in campus that Paxton Lynch has not taken the step up that was expected of him. Like we're talking about a player taken in the first round, albeit towards the end of it. Uh, but 
who was expected to be the future of this franchise. And then we're talking about Trevor Simeon. We know what Trevor Simeon is. He's a mediocre quarterback, probably like airing around like you know, the, the bottom third kind of area, like the upper bottom third. Yeah, I'd be thinking about uh, 22. Yeah, so it, it's not it's not looking good for there. And obviously you're trying to rebuild uh, an offense around an offensive line there, which has been completely rebuilt. Ronald Leary, like he did well in Dallas towards the end, but... Like oh, if you look over the course of his career, he was—he's never really been an outstanding uh, player. But they've invested a lot of money in him, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays in the absence of that, uh, like of those more talented teammates. Men like Watson is kind of a cast off, and Garrett Bowles is a first rounder. Is good was considered the best CBS uh, zone blocking scheme uh, left tackle in the draft, but wasn't considered an elite prospect. So I think for me personally, there's so many questions over that offense that uh, you kind of have to be a bit on the pessimistic side. And, of course, I think one of the understated changes is that, you know, that change in the coaching staff could Mm. have have a major effect. Like Gary Kubiak and Wade Phillips, incredibly respected, great track record. No one, like, if things went badly, they could stand behind their record. uh, They could stand behind their record of winning a Super Bowl and of their long tenure in the NFL. Vance Joseph, relatively speaking, is a complete newcomer, doesn't really have that much of a record. Like, uh, like held up a Miami defense which wasn't really that good last season and now he's the head coach in a team which is still considered to be a playoff contender for me this is the kind of team where if this quarterback situation plays out poorly at the start of the season we could be looking at it like a situation which devolves very quickly into a lot of backslapping and stuff like I think when you have these teams which have such a big such a big disparity between their offense and their defense it mightn't take that long before the defensive stars start giving a few public statements about the offense and yeah. that can get really ugly really quickly but I think with the talent that they have on the team even on the offense if you think about the wide receivers just the Marius Thomas it, it's hard to see them going completely down the drain but for a team with such high expectations that may not be enough so for me personally I'm going to 8-8 eight eight, but I, I probably have more of a downside risk on them this mm-hmm. season than I would have had under the previous administration no, of course. Harry, what about yourself? Oh, I don't know if there are any talking points left after that. I think that was incredibly comprehensive. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, it was good. It was really good. Um, yeah, like I, I, that's that's pretty much it. The coaching changes, oh. the quarterback instability. I'm I'm a little more down. I think overall, just because I think Wade Phillips has just done such a good job with that. That without that leadership and mm. organization on the defense, I'm concerned that. There's a lot of how can I put it like it's like where there's a lot of verse, volatile personalities in there like your key to leaves and 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 the such like and even then you know they've lost a few pieces I'm not sure like who's the new Demarcus Ware Sylvester Williams yeah these were guys you know Demarcus Ware uh, was towards the end of his career Sylvester Williams was a not an every down player but mm-hmm. these are guys who played really really important roles have they solved for that I'm not really sure who the mm-hmm. new guys who are going to step up there is so I can see that defense is definitely going to take a step backwards and look I think this offense is. We know what it is, and the run game is not like it's stellar either. So it's not like they can they can particularly rely on that to to bail them out. They're still going to be a tough team to play because Denver it's a tough place to go. They've got good pieces there, but I actually have them going six and ten. I'm I'm, I'm not convinced at all by what I'm seeing from them, um, and I think that that defense is is going to win them games. But I just think, and particularly on the road, this yeah. offense is going to go to pieces. Oh yeah, big time. Like I've I've gone very similar to Rona. I've gone eight and eight because as he said, I, like that is 
probably things breaking right for them. I see them flaring down rather than up on that. I think especially whenever you've got questions of the offensive line and you've got a scrap for the quarterback scenario, this is not a division where you want to have a shaky offensive line. Like every single one of these teams has at least two quite high-end pass rushers coming at you. Like this is... (laughs) And I like to be honest, it's one of those ones when I did the predictions, I hadn't even properly thought about like the impact of Wade Phillips not being there. Like that probably flares them down further for me uh, again. But yeah, I, I still think they're going to be tough to play. But I can imagine. No, 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 no. no. Jamal Charles, fifteen hundred yards, MVP. Come on, yeah. you believe, right? To be honest, like this is the thing, this is the thing <laughs> I said at the time. Jamal Charles, I wish him well for fourteen of the sixteen games he's playing. Uh, if he plays him, I don't think he's going to because I think the reason we let him go is because our medical staff said he shouldn't play anymore. He's a fifty. 50 to make the roster I don't think he's going to be a huge impact player for them that's the other question for them I suppose as well it's like we're not sure how that running back situation is going to is going to shake out for them uh, if they can find something from that I have more faith in them as a team but at the moment I think 8-8 eight eight is deceiving for them uh, next up we've got the uh, now Los Angeles Chargers uh, so they've added in uh, this is funny so they've added in Russell Okun uh, Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney they've now lost Forrest Lamp uh, Anthony Lynn Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and they've kind of lost Mike Williams they have lost King Dunlap DJ Fluker Danny Woodhead uh, and San Diego <laughs> So I think the big question was coming into this season was, could this rejigged offensive line work? They drafted two highly positioned, I think, second and third round or second and fourth round players to step in. They've already lost one of those uh, in Forest Lamp, which is a massive blow to that. Because Philip Rivers is a very high-end quarterback, but he has not had the protection that he's needed over recent years. Uh, so will they be able to hold up? Uh, they're now going to be in this new small arena, the StubHub Centre, uh, which I think holds something like 28,000 or 35,000. 35, but I think they lose a couple of thousand because of the setup because uh, so it might be it might be 31,000 or something for them now um so will that be a positive or minus like honestly I wouldn't have put as much stock into this until I did recently watch the was it all or nothing with the Rams recently Mm. and uh, I saw just how much of a toll the moving and everything took on that team and how it does actually throw things into disarray and then um obviously the question is while Philip Rivers is fantastic quarterback uh and the most accurate ejaculator in the world like can he still continue to perform at a high level what does he toss it into his wife's vagina from 50 yards like what? yeah <laughs> trick shot <laughs> oh, we're going to cut that we're going to cut this <laughs> uh, so I'm going to come to you first on this oh, you're going to come Harry. to me are you <laughs> yeah. 50 yards away <laughs> Uh, what do you reckon about this Chargers team? Uh, I reckon I, I'm looking at it as being a huge potential upside, but I'm not sure they're going to reach it. Yeah, I, I'm going to regret this. I really like this team this year, and I, I think this is we've been through this. Oh no, four more players have gone down yeah, with season-ending exactly, injuries. Exactly. Look, my prediction. I'll, I'll catch this. All my predictions here are if they can fucking keep their players healthy. Um, which you shouldn't have to say. That should sort of just be an assuming. But it's the Chargers, so you don't know anymore. Um, I think, despite the move, look, I think this is still a team that is top to bottom has some incredible pieces we, you mentioned Philip Rivers like Melvin Gordon had a breakout season last oh, season yeah. and then got injured because of course he did um, and this team last season like had every single thing break against them they lost their number one wide receiver they lost a bunch of O-linemen they lost a bunch of defensive players they ended up losing Melvin Gordon they lost Antonio Gates and still so many of their losses came down to stupid things bot snaps missed field goals clock mismanagement all things that are either fixable or are just bad luck and might rub the other way the next time it happens. It really is as simple as that for me. And that's why I'm saying, like, this is a team that, even when it was depleted, was and lost to Cleveland. 
Fuck me, they lost to Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. They were still close to being a contender, other than for some unlucky shit. And if you're like, well, if the team stays together, it's not going to be in these positions anymore. So if they can stay healthy, fantastic. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just high on the amount of talent on this team. I think if you have Keenan Allen healthy again, like that guy was on course to... S- I don't want to base him half a game, but if he... <laughs> if we extrapolate out the first five game, minutes of his he, game... Well, yeah, he basically broke the single-game reception record in, a, in half a game. But like, Surely, if we, if, we, if we take out his first five minutes and we extrapolate that out the whole way, then he's going to score something like... Eight, what, 890 touchdowns. 197 from, touchdowns. But, like, I mean, having him makes a huge difference. Is the O-line improved? Doesn't have King Dunlap anymore. So, yes, the O-line is improved. <laughs> uh, Russell Okung, in fairness, is, is actually a, 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 still a pretty solid player from what we saw. So I think he, he can do a job. But obviously losing Lamp is a problem. But, look, I love Lamp. I just think if they can keep it together, there's so much talent on this team offensively. Defensively, we saw guys like Casey Hayward have insane seasons last year. Mm-hmm. He can keep that up. He's he's one of the he's one of the top ten corners in the league, possibly higher. Like he he played to an incredibly high level last year. So the talent is there, um, and we've seen a team with bad luck and bad coaching be a few swings of the pendulum away from being contention. Mm-hmm. Those things get eliminated. They have a full roster. They don't get the the bad luck, and they don't have Mike fucking McCoy anywhere near the team. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. So yeah, I have a match going ten to six, which I think might that's probably be enough for. I think it is enough. I think it's sure. enough for a wild card. On Definitely in the hunt, anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think this team can do good things if they can stay healthy this season. Very yeah. good. What about yourself, Ron? What do you reckon? Yeah, like uh, I think I'm like Harry. I really want the team to win. I there, you know, I think I think based on what happened to them last season in terms of injuries and bad luck, it would kind of be, you know, a karmic if they manage to actually turn things around. Uh, and you know like the StubHub Arena it's a really interesting experiment for a sport which really doesn't have because it's so enclosed doesn't really have that opportunity to have these kind of tiny cauldron type events but of course due to the way that they've ended up in that stadium of course it could end up turning into a a very uh, inhospitable area Uh, it was a bad sign in the first preseason game that there was a lot of Seahawks fans in the the crowd so, like, I think with all the talent they have there, if everyone stays healthy, there's no way that they can't be a contender in the division. And indeed, if they made the playoffs in the AFC, but I think we're all kind of just kind of hoping that that they can put that together. Uh, I think we're all. I think you know, with Philip Rivers, he's getting on. He's definitely coming towards the end of his career. I think we would all like to see Philip Rivers have like one or two few more opportunities to really show how good he is on the on the on the on the greatest stage in the playoffs. Um, and I think you know the talent is definitely there on the offense and the defense. It's just a matter of keeping it there. Uh, so for me, I have to go with nine and seven because I don't think the look will go their way, and I think that the, the change in scenery might have an effect uh, on the morale and in terms of all the all the crap that goes with that. Um, but I'm certainly hoping that they can do better and end up in the playoffs uh, as Harry believes they they might make. Yeah, no, of course. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very much on board with what you guys are saying. Again, I think very, very talented offense. I just don't know. We're already starting to see injuries creep in, similar to how we saw them beforehand. Like, like we say, it is kind of a random thing that you're going to have those injuries. But then, whenever you have so many and you see it consistently happening, and it wasn't just last year; it was the year beforehand as well. You got to start questioning their strength and conditioning. You got to start questioning how they're protecting these players. Uh, I still have them doing very well. I still have them going ten and six. Unfortunately, on my numbers, that has them missing the playoffs uh, at ten and six. I do, even though you know we're division rivals, stuff. I do actually would really like to see uh, Philip Rivers do a bit, kind of get a bit more chances because he's had a few runs at it and they've never had a kind of a, a great end result on it. And they are 
especially with them having to move and all that kind of stuff. It would be nice to see them get something nice They'd for have a change. Super Bowl if one of their cornerbacks hadn't decided to try and return an interception. That's but. true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Chargers ten and six, just missing the playoffs for me. Uh, next up, we have my boys, the Chiefs. Uh, we've actually we've got a picture of Alex Smith in front of us because it came from my because uh, yeah, I got my uh, my my uh, joining kit for the Arrowheads abroad. Uh, so I've got that, and I've got an iron on patch for my uh, <laughs> for my uh, oh, jersey. Okay. Uh, so the Chiefs have added in Patrick Mahomes, Benny Logan, uh, Kareem Hunt, lost Ontario Poe, Jeremy Macklin, Jamal Charles, and Niles Davis, uh, who they then rejoined, then lost, then rejoined, then lost, then rejoined, then lost again. So, so the main talking points at the moment are: uh, is there going to be a quarter? That controversy this season, uh, I'd say no, but there will be next season. Uh, but we'll see because there's, there's, there's a lot of chat about this at the moment. The change from Dontari Poe to, to uh, Benny Logan in the middle and how that's going to look on the defensive line. Uh, there's been a couple of movements there, and uh, the big one, I suppose, as well, is going to be the question of uh, well, there's running back for the Chiefs because they've got some people returning, they've got some uh, some rookies as well. So Kareem Hunt is coming in and he's going to be pushing for that. But then also with the loss of Jeremy Macklin. Where the wide receiver touchdown is going to come from? Obviously, Tyreek Hill is going to step up, but who's going to come with him? Will it be Chris Connolly? Will it be Demarcus Robinson? Who will it be? Uh, so I'll come to you first on this, Fitz. Uh, like, what do you think are the main issues facing the Chiefs this season? What do you make of them so far? Yeah, like the Chiefs. The Chiefs are like a weird case, aren't they? Like they had such a uh, tumultuous off season with all of these events happening in the front office and the various big contracts and the players let go, such as Jeremy Macklin, yet. When you get down to the actual brass tacks, you find that the story with the Chiefs is very similar to the story that has been for the last two years. A really good defensive team, well coached, uh, with an offense which is solid but not spectacular. I think, yeah, if Tyreek Hill fails to build upon last year's uh, his last year's success, where you know he's having to be set up to be the wire one now, that that could be a problem. But obviously, we know the Chiefs are run first offense if they can be. So I don't think it's necessarily the biggest issue uh, they have there, and I'm sure they're trying to bring true talent at the moment. Uh, I think, like for me, uh, it's kind of weird. Like so, like when you think about the Chiefs, I don't think that much has changed. I think that Benny Logan for Dontari Poe swap could be interesting. I think Dontari Poe certainly has a lot more upside than Benny Logan, but Benny Logan is probably more of a consistent player. Um, and then. Uh, on the offense, you have the questions of running back, but I think yeah, like I like this is a team that's going to be a lot more interesting to see what happens during the season. Whether Alex Smith can like finally push through that barrier of like the of, of, of the playoffs and actually do something. So if the team makes the playoffs, that there's going to be an extra flavor to it this season because of that Patrick Mahomes like background noise uh, and Alex basically playing for his job once again against a rookie. Um, so for me, this is a team that right now I think we know who they are. Obviously, with the NFL, we never know what happens. But I think, and it's a tough division. But I, I still would have them more likely than not to go into the into the playoffs. But I think the playoffs could be where things get really interesting if they make it there. Uh, so for me, you know, I'm having them ten and six, take the number five seed. Um, but I think you know we know who the Chiefs are, and I think they're a good team. I don't expect that to change too much, even with the off-season moves. No, fair enough. What about yourself, Harry? Pretty much agree, Ron. I think I. I've I think I'm a little higher on this team. I think uh, I can get it done without any wide receivers before, so uh, why yep. not this time? But uh, like, yeah, no, I think I think there's a lot of talent. I think um, I think honestly, Logan at this stage in his career, Logan's not great on Poe. Well, um, he is over the injured Poe we had last yeah, year. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. At this stage in his career, mm. like we're not talking about plumbed on Terry Poe. We're talking about old, older, slower, more yeah. injured on Terry Poe. Benny Logan is just an incredibly solid player who I think is actually quite underrated during his time with the Eagles. But whatever. What I think is interesting is actually that running back situation that you alluded to because. 
Kareem Hunt looks like really, really intriguing prospect. And um, we saw quite a, well, I mean, so, some, perhaps less so last season, but we saw an awful lot of promise coming out of the, the two running backs they currently had mm-hmm. uh, stacked behind Jamal Charles. Probably made them a lot more comfortable, I think, making that decision to let Charles go in the end of it. Um, so if, if, if Spencer Ware can continue his solid production for the last few seasons and if Chuck Hendrick West can get back that magic that he had two seasons ago when he mm-hmm. was uh, electrifying with the ball in hand, that's a really, really scary sort of you know, backfield by committee kind mm-hmm. of thing you can do. And I don't really expect any of them to take over and really, really own it. Where is probably the most likely one to do it just because he's a presumptive starter and yeah. he's got the least question marks around him. But if you have that, when you've got like, oh, we've got some problems in the passing game, you're like, right, well, now we can have a, a, a three-headed backfield. Plus Tyreek Kill doing all of this little short mm-hmm. route kind of stuff. And we've got a guy like like um, Travis Kelsey as a, as a possession receiver. That's a really good spot to be in. And I, I actually think this team is just solid. I think they're well coached. I think they're going to... Win games. I think they're going to upset teams this season. I think I think they really are. I actually have them going twelve and four. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when it gets to the playoffs, I think unfortunately the problems that can be papered over during the regular season really really get exposed. The traditional, you know, clock mm-hmm. management uh, struggling to yeah. <laughs> make uh, third and longs. You know, the, the, the usual kind oh, of yeah. Andy Reid, Alex Smith kind of problems there. But I think there's enough talent on this team for them to really make a, a, a very solid run at this time. Mm-hmm. And I think in a strong division, they're going to still come out of it looking looking pretty good because that defense is, is nice. And that offense has, I think, some pieces that could make it quite intriguing, even if they have probably lost their best receiving threat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got them going 12-4 and four as well. The one actually I meant to stick onto the ins, which I think is going to be a huge factor, is going to be uh, this is the first season in... Nearly three years we're going to be starting with a fully healthy Justin Houston, yeah. which is going to be a very interesting uh, piece. We've got a couple of intriguing new pieces or maybe kind of one-year-old pieces on the defense. And I think how this defensive front seven looks is going to be very interesting to see. So we've got uh, Chris Jones, who played out of his skin as a rookie last year, is now sitting on that line. I like Benny Logan as an upgrade over Poe, as you're saying. Not necessarily on the upside of he's not going to get the sacks and things that Poe was able to push into, but he's a much more solid run blocker, and that was the thing that we had the most yep. problem with with that front with that front batch. Uh, we've got a, like Kay Passa, our new physical freak second rounder, who no one knows exactly where he's going to play, but he is fucking terrifying. The videos out of the training camp yesterday were brilliant. So he's about six foot nine, two hundred and eighty odd, I think, and was able to keep pace with the running backs down the field. He's not, he's one who was very high upside, but needs coaching essentially. So there's a few few guys like that I'm intrigued to see. But uh, yeah, overall very happy. I think we're going to take the two seed with the twelve and four. Uh, which kind of might give you a hint as where I think the Raiders end up. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited for the thing. I think. There will be controversy, but there won't be people swapping quarterbacks. It's going to be Alex Smith will probably push it down the field a little bit more because he knows if he doesn't have a massive performance, he's probably being removed next year because he costs $17 million and Pat Mahomes would cost, I think, three. So that's kind of an easy <laughs> easy one to work out. But yeah, so 12-4 and four and uh, taking the second seed. Uh, next up, and the final one for the AFC West, final one for the AFC and final one for our entire preview is... The Oakland Raiders. Uh, they've added in your boy, Marshawn Lynch, uh, Jared Cook, Cordell Patterson, Gary Conley, and Obi Melifonwu. 
They've lost Latavius Murray, Nate Allen, DJ Hayden, Malcolm Smith. So questions that have obviously been sitting there is, uh, how is Carr going to be getting on? He's got his extension in place. His leg appears to be in one piece again. Uh, will they be able to push through? They were a team that were coming in hot into the playoffs last season up until the point where he was injured. So will he be able to continue where he left off or will that scupper him in any way in his development? Uh, will Lynch be someone who'd be able to still carry the load as he was? Will he be a distraction to the team? He's already doing the sitting during the National Anthem them stuff but I don't think that that's really going to be an issue doing that for 10 years yes I know it's uh... (laughs) It's just lazy (laughs) (laughs) and then finally the question of like the their defensive backs and how they're going to sit They've had a big amount of turnover there Uh, even uh, what's his name who they took from us was it Carr was it Smith 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 has apparently now been demoted to uh, the fifth cornerback and is occasionally in playing inside linebacker for them at the moment so they are very unhappy with him if it wasn't for his guaranteed money he'd be cut apparently so what do we think of this team I think everyone is very but like all three of us are very bullish on this team as well yeah look I think this is one of the best teams in the AFC uh genuinely I'm very very high on this team um look I mean when you look at where the weaknesses were last season um there were some consistency problems yeah there were some problems in the run game and there were problems in the in the in the secondary. So let's look at those two of those three of those things. I suppose actually, now I can't count to three. It's fine. We've come full circle. Yes. Um, so like in terms of of the, of the of the defensive backfield, like ever since really Charles Woodson retired, like there's just been nothing going on there. And while you never know with young guys like Melifonwu and Connolly, and now Connolly obviously having been uh, had his, his uh, charges dropped, uh, is now going to be free to play. These are this is promising young talent. Whereas what they're replacing in guys like DJ Hayden. Uh, is a proven bust who mm-hmm. they've given so much time to and it's just never been able to get it done. So you're like, right, well, this surely there has to be something here that's going to be better. I know that's kind of that principle of, oh, it's not this, so it must be good. But it's hard to see how both of these guys are going to turn into that level of bust for the Raiders. Nate Allen was an okay player, but never really any more than that. So you've got to be hopeful that there's something here um, that looks like it's going to be an improvement in that regard. In terms of consistency in the run game, I quite like Latavius Murray, but he did struggle to get it done, um, and they didn't really have a, despite Murray's size, like he wasn't really the big bruising back that they needed, and that's what Lynch gives them. Lynch gives them a bit of physicality up front, Lynch gives them a guy who can play as well in a, uh, if, if, you know, he's he's got be- much better vision, I think, than the guys they saw. So they have guys like Jalen Richard and Washington who are, are rockets, right, and if they hit a hole, can hit it, but aren't so good at finding it, and Murray, who is more plodding, a little bit more physical, but again, was a guy who didn't make the right reads a lot of the time. A guy like Lynch, part of what people always when they're like oh yeah Marshall Lynch he runs guys over and he does but what he also does is he's very smart about where he hits the line what hole he finds and that's what the Raiders have kind of were kind of missing let's say like, oh Lynch is going to be a goal line back like the Raiders are actually fine with the running backs in goal line situations by and large Latavius Murray was actually quite good at that last season Lynch can sort of replicate that but also gives them actually a little bit more of that open field and a little bit more of that ability to find the holes where they aren't and you've got a really good O-line that A can open those holes and B protect Derek Carr and that's what you need in terms of building that consistency you're like right we have an O-line and we've seen the Cowboys do it with like I would say Dak Prescott is not as good as Carr I'm perfectly happy to say that you have that level of protection like this guy's got talent yeah we saw a bit of a, a sophomore slump in inverted commas from Mari Cooper but we know he can play well Crabtree had a phenomenal year last season uh, and we saw again Jared Cook who they've come in tight end has been sort of a bit of a carousel there Jared Cook who had all these problems suddenly went to Green Bay suddenly had a good quarterback throwing to him and hey look Jared Cook can catch the ball Jared Cook can mm-hmm. make plays when he actually feels like there's something on the line he's not playing for the fucking Rams yeah. um, so like I, I think that this team is making steps in the right direction uh, I'm really really excited to see Carr coming back I think they've got a lot of 
really, really good young pieces. I think they've got one of the best O-lines in the league, which I don't, don't think you can overstate the importance of. We know what Khalil Mack can do defensively, etc. I don't need to rehash that. So I think this team is actually m- continuing to build on the success it had last season. And I think this team is going to go 14-2. and two. I'm going to put it out there, 14-2. and two. And I think this is, the, this is the only team to me that can knock off the Patriots in the playoffs. Okay, very good. Uh, Fitz? Um... I'm high on the Raiders, but perhaps not as high as, as Harry. Uh, and I think they're not as far away from the rest of this division as perhaps as Harry's indicating where, where they're going to conquer all, except perhaps the Chiefs in terms of, of head-to-heads. Um, so for me, personally, uh, I think the pro- biggest problem that I have with this team is that one... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Derek Carr does, whether he comes back as confident as he was last season. And I think there is some question marks over Derek Carr in terms of his efficiency. I think mm-hmm. a big play quarterback, he's one of the better ones, but over whether he can just move the chains and be a bit more conservative. And obviously the massive question over Marshawn Lynch, can he come back and be the player he was? We haven't seen that Marshawn Lynch beast mode for like three seasons now. And, you know, with a player who's so physically relies on his physicality uh, to a large extent to intimidate opponents... Like if he gets if he isn't the same player, that could make a very very major drop off. Other than that, the team hasn't changed that much. I think they're very much the team that they were last season, and that was a very good team. And I wouldn't expect to see too much change, uh, assuming injuries don't take hold. But for me personally, there's still a gap between the New England Patriots, who I think have definitely improved this season, and the Raiders, who have maybe are around where they were last season. Uh, if the young players in the secondary come through, the rookies, then that could change my uh, calculus. But I think right now, the Raiders are probably one of the best teams in the AFC. But in the AFC, I think the New England Patriots are still a class apart. So for me, I'm going 11-5, and five, just about pipping the division over the Chiefs and getting the number three seed. Um, so I think that they're still a very good team. I think they're definitely in that top four teams or so. But, but I may not be just as high as Harry mm. on them. Yeah, like I'm probably, I, I get the hype that I've got. I'm probably closer to your side of things, Ronan. Well, one, we've got the exact same thing. I've got them going 11 and 5, but uh, my numbers are as I'm going 5th. Like, I think they're strong. I think people are over-egging the Marshawn Lynch thing. I don't think he's going to be the, I don't think he's going to be like taking 15 snaps a game. Like, I don't see him being able to do that at this age. And I don't see that. And I think they can get effective work out of him maybe on kind of 8 to 12 max maybe. Uh, and that could work, but I don't think he's going to be the game-breaking difference that everyone thinks he will be. There are limitations to this defense. Again, if these young ones step up, then they might have a better chance of it. But like, I always go back to, I said it before, but like it's this line of, against playoff teams, they are 2-16. and 16. They cannot beat good teams. The two wins that they've had are they've beaten Kansas City once in the last three years and they beat the Texans. That's it. They lost all the other games against playoff teams in the last two years. They are a very good team who bottles it occasionally. And I think if I was to put one potential problem on Derek Carr, it's sometimes in those spots he does bottle it a little bit. He's very, very, very good, but he doesn't necessarily have the experience or the, 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 the mental capacity at those spots to make the perfect decision. He's had some very good kind of last-minute comebacks, and those give a chance for it, but he's not been able to do it with any consistency. I think they are going to be an improvement team this year. I think they will probably at least split with the with the Chiefs this year. I think they're going to get at least one of those wins. Like, like this is a spot where I think they're very good, but I think that there are 
a few more things that need to change for me to think that these guys are going to be able and I don't think the Chiefs are necessarily going to be able to beat the, 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 the New England Patriots either but I just I think people are a little bit too bullish on the Raiders for them not having papered over all the cracks that I saw beforehand for them but that said still 11 wins so it's still a big season for them and then uh, probably a lot of fun showdowns in the in the playoffs so I think that covers off all of our games. We will uh, on our next one on our on our preview to the week one. Uh, we will probably give our our, our run out of the brackets for the Super Bowl winners uh, and all that kind of stuff at that point uh, and see where we think that's going. Uh, fun fun fact: I think we probably all agree that New England are probably representing mm-hmm. the AFC. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert! I think this is this is the <clears throat> end of season. Season two, or season one. Well, season one, but it's because the end of the second season. End of the second season, yeah. So it was fun. Although, do we? Well, I suppose the other one doesn't actually cover anything at the start of the season. It's just the end of our predictions and our preview to the new season. So maybe this is the second last episode. I think when we start predicting the next season, it's the next season. Okay, fair enough. I think I don't know how we did it last year, but I think it is. Oh, very good. So, what did we? Did we enjoy our, our second season? Good run. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, I hate you all! <laughs> uh, any crack for the next few days, lads? Any? Well, it's supposed to be probably about two weeks before we get the next one out. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, do we have some this weekend? Maybe, I don't know. I feel like I do. I got the, the missus moving back from. The drafts are starting. Yeah, the missus moving back from Africa this weekend, so I'm going to be taking a week off work and, and yes. having the crack. Nice. Uh, so it'll be fun. And then uh, then we're straight into football season. So then we'll be doing our uh, our last our last kind of preview pod before the actual football starts back. And then we're going to get hella drunk on Thursday night. Yeah, we need to work out we're going to do that. His roommates, we got to yeah. just, probably mine. What about yourself? Football is real football, right? Y- yes. <laughs> uh, what about yourself? It's outside of development hell. Any crack down there? Uh, I'll see after development is over. I think uh, we're shipping on uh, next Tuesday. So ah, very good. So you're. I'll- just got a week long bender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Solid bet. Oh, man. But no, that's good. So I suppose uh, that'll do it for now. So say uh, goodbye from myself, goodbye from Harry. See ya. And goodbye from Ronan. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Uh, it's the end of our preview and the end of our second season. So uh, I guess we will catch you all in about two weeks' time. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. <laughs>